episode 15 of this here podcast with an old friend of mine. Well, a lot of these broadcasters have been either friends of mine or broadcasters I've heard, but this one, we go well way back. Back in his <laughs> days when he was the voice of Tennessee State University Athletics. And that's been a hot second. But we'll get into all that with Barry Gresham, a.k.a. Gresh. Long time, no chat. How have you been? I've been great. How are you? Fantastic. Good deal. It has been a while. We we do go yep. back. Probably yeah, we about go back to the, at least about what twenty about years now. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. But, well, I'm glad glad you're doing well and um, you're safe and sound during this crazy pandemic. Thank goodness that um, order is going to be lifted next Thursday. Yeah, I Which agree. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember how do you. I don't know if you told me this or not, but A, how did you get your start? And were there any opportunities to broadcast at the high school that you went to? Or when did you know broadcasting was for you? Yeah, actually, you know, I, I started uh, the first game that I ever did was December of 1986. Holy smokes, I was, I was barely one. <laughs> <laughs> And I was a senior in high school at Christian County High School in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. Probably one of the best high schools in all of Kentucky. There you go. I agree with that. And um, so I had a chance that year, was actually involved in a professional careers class as a senior in high school. I was doing kind of a a job shadow at WHOP and – I had an opportunity because I had played basketball up until I think it was my sophomore year. I, think <laughs> I hung it up and became a church league All-American. But <laughs> um, So I started uh, doing games. I actually kept stats, provided uh, – worked as a color commentator, analyst, mm-hmm. and um, did the Christian County games at my senior year. And um, working with Tony Winfield, who was then the voice of the Colonels, and then work with the WHOP staff during the district regional tournaments. And, and really from that point on, kept doing it. So, yeah, I got my start in high school at, uh, at WHOP as a senior in high school 33 years ago. Holy smokes. I've got that tape somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> if you it's, find it, if you, find it you, may be, you may be able to save it on DVD. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, oh, it's geez. set tape, but uh, I just wonder what it would sound like now. But I'll, I'm sure I'll come you across probably, it one of these days. You could probably digitally remaster that thing if you wanted to. I may not want to. <laughs> <laughs> so, after you did high school, did you stay doing the um, Christian County games, or did, was it college? And did you get a chance to do much there at Western Kentucky? Yeah, I did. Had a chance. Uh, I kept doing high school games, would come back on the weekends from from Bowling Green to Hopkinsville and would still do the weekend games. And and a lot of times on the Tuesday night, like high school basketball, if one of the three teams in Hopkinsville, the Hopkinsville High Christian County or University Heights Academy, if they were playing anywhere in the Bowling Green area that they weren't broadcasting, I would go and just phone in reports, you know, updates, Mm-hmm. or a rap from that game for WHOP. And, but then it was uh, in college, we had a, at Western Kentucky, WWHR was the campus station. 
uh, was heavily involved in that. We covered all of Western Kentucky's football, men's and women, women's basketball home games. So I was assistant sports director as a junior and then took over as the sports director my senior year. So I got to do really a ton of Western Kentucky games um, <coughs> junior and senior year of college. And I guess the most memorable was my senior year, Kentucky – I'm from Kentucky, naturally, and a huge Kentucky basketball fan. Western Kentucky played UK at Freedom Hall in Louisville and had a chance to do that game in uh, 1990. So that was uh, certainly a, a huge thrill to be able to do that at the college level. And probably getting the chance to meet the legendary K. Wood Ledford. I did. I met him uh, while I was uh, in high school. Kentucky played at Vanderbilt and made it a point. Most people want to line up and get the players' autographs, which – you know, I did as well. I loved Kenny Walker, Sam Bowie, and those guys. But mm -hmm. I waited until Kay Wood wrapped up his post game, and as he was heading across the court at Memorial Gym, I went up with the game program and spoke to him and got the autograph and met him several other times after that. But that was the first meeting. I was probably about 13 years old. So after Western Kentucky, then – where does the journey pick up after college? Well, let's see. I, I worked in television in Bowling Green for a brief uh, period of time as a sports anchor at WBKO 13. Mm -hmm. Came back to my hometown, Hopkinsville, worked at TV 43, the low-power station there. Actually, was was doing the weather. My minor is in meteorology. and Oh, my. <laughs> so <laughs> I was the weatherman and kind of part-time – kind of like the third sports guy. I did that really for just a matter of maybe six, seven months, and then went full-time at WHOP uh, with them for about two years and continued the high school games. And I'd also started, when I was in college, doing the high school game of the week, football and basketball on cable in Bowling Green. So I continued to do that really for about five or six years So when the schedule would, per would permit, so doing some TV work. And um, so, yeah, went full-time in radio for, for a couple of years and uh, went back to Western to get a master's degree. And um, at that point, started doing Bowling Green High School's football play-by-play -play mm -hmm. from about 94 to 96. And it was three of the greatest years in their program history. I, I think I was there two and a half seasons before leaving, and, and we went 34-2. and two during that two-and-a-half-year stretch with a state runner-up, their first-ever state title in football. And then when I left to go to Southeast Missouri State and took a job there, I left uh, Bowling Green was 6-0 that year in 1996. So that was, a, that was an enjoyable run of some great high school football from in the mid-'90s when I went back to Bowling Green and, and worked in advertising, completed my master's degree, and did a lot of freelance um, broadcast as well. So what were you doing at SEMO? Went to SEMO in October of 96 and was hired there by Withers Broadcasting, where the uh, famous or infamous Rush Limbaugh, however you want to look at that, he got his start in his hometown of Cape Girardeau with, with this station ownership group, KGMO being their big station. And So I was hired to do Southeast Missouri's women's basketball and their baseball in addition to – doing a ton of high school sports. 
did that for two years in Cape Girardeau. And um, the women's team was really bad during those two years. I think they won maybe eight games in two years. But the baseball team was incredible. They um, got to the OVC tournament final my first year. And then in the second year, they won it. So I had a chance to broadcast Southeast Missouri's first ever OVC championship in baseball. Got to go to the regionals. We played out in Wichita. And that those two years really helped me as a broadcaster more than any because I had a chance to do well over 100 games a year uh, doing football, basketball, <laughs> baseball. And um, so that, that was enjoyable, a two-year stint at, at Southeast Missouri. What did you feel like the things you learned and you – basically got better at at CMO in those two years? Well, I had never done baseball, and it was painfully obvious. In fact, the first game that I ever broadcast of baseball was the first game I did on the air. CMO opened up at Memphis mm. in 1997, and it was brutal. It, it was tough. The good thing is I had a great partner, Jess Bolin. Jess still does uh, games, uh, CMO basketball and, and some baseball. He was the manager of the uh, – independent team that played the summer ball, the Cape Girardeau Capahaws, and he really taught me baseball because mm -hmm. even though I was a diehard Cardinals fan, baseball was definitely my third sport when it came to interest in broadcasting, and and I had a lot to learn, and, and I, I thought I really improved from year one to year two. Not that I was great, but it was when you have a great team to broadcast and a good partner, we really had some great times and played in some incredible venues. Played out at Stillwater, Oklahoma, as I mentioned, went to Wichita and played. We played down at Mississippi State. Um, so I had a chance to travel non-conference and, and really enjoyed it. And uh, I think I really grew there because I had a chance to get so many reps in a, in a two-year period uh, of all three sports, and it, it really – kind of helped me establish myself with, with a style and really to gain confidence just out of uh, multiple reps doing it basically was doing a game every other night, you know, for two years. And that's the first time I'd had a chance to do that. So after CMO, my guess would be you stayed in the Ohio Valley conference and that's where Tennessee state came into play. Or if I'm incorrect on that. Yeah, actually, um, I moved to Nashville in 1998 when I left Cape Girardeau, Missouri, and had a chance to work at WSM and mm -hmm. ended up turning a position down. It was going to be a news position. It was going to be full-time and a great opportunity and crazy old me that wants to stay in sports. I turned it down and took a opportunity with the Tennessee Radio Network mm -hmm. as their sports anchor for a year, but it was a part-time position, so I was juggling – two and three jobs when I moved to Nashville in 98 and uh, was anchoring their uh, statewide sportscast um, on the Tennessee radio network, I think 83 state affiliates. So I was putting the uh, radio network sportscast together, doing a lot of engineer work uh, as they were the uh, broadcast hub for the Vol network, Vanderbilt's network, actually Penn state's games were distributed out of uh, the TRN studios and Metro center. So, I was making a lot of extra money doing that. And then my alma mater, Western Kentucky, had an opening, contacted me, and I started doing Western Kentucky's television broadcast for basketball, men's and women's hoops, and started that in 98 and did that up until the time uh, 
I became the associate AD at TSU and went full-time in athletics. So I did uh, Western Kentucky's games from 98 to about 2005. And that was, that was incredible. That was a Dennis Felton era. <laughs> he took over and had a couple of lean years getting it going. And they had three consecutive NCAA tournament appearances and, and the lady topper programs always been an NCAA perennial power. So that was, that was great to get to go back to the alma mater and, and, and do those games on television and, and launch the Hilltopper sports satellite network. So, did that uh, before actually getting to uh, TSU in 1999. And what were you doing at TSU before you went full-time athletics and became the full-time voice? Because I know, I think you had filled in on a couple of broadcasts, I think, and I don't know whether or not when you started doing actual broadcasts or what things were you doing in the early part of the late in 99 at TSU. Yeah, actually, the position was um, operations manager for the campus radio station, and I would also be teaching classes in the Department of Communication. So uh, when I got the master's degree at Western, I knew possibly down the road would be able to teach with that degree. And so this opportunity came up. It was full time. And I basically went in and, and built their radio station from the ground up. Um, the campus station, got it online. Uh, back then, that was the very beginning of, you know, streaming audio. And yep. uh, we were streaming our station in my first year and got heavily involved, as you might expect, with, with me involved. And it had to be athletics. So yep. by year two, uh, 2000, 2001, we were actually the uh, flagship station. Uh, the broadcast <clears throat> originated at our campus studios and it was the, the commercial affiliate in town was WMAK. Yep. They took our feed. And uh, so we were broadcasting the games. I was mainly in the studio kind of serving as engineer and training my students on how to run the board. But as you had mentioned earlier, we were talking just before coming on the air, I, I filled in several games um, for basketball that December. Evans. Uh, First time I'd met Albert Dawson working with him. And uh, mm -hmm. so we did that for that year and, um, and really got to meet all the coaches and the athletic staff at that point. And from there, it was just continuing on. I know the, the following season, the TSU games went back to WNSR. Mm -hmm. And then the year after that, I had created a partnership with WFSK, Fisk University Station. Mm -hmm. And we originated the games at TSU, and we were linked by ISDN to their studio, and they carried about a 20-game pack. Yep. I remember that because – game set. So that's uh, – You cut out there for a second on that 20-game package. Sorry, you're going to have to repeat that. Sorry. That's okay. Yeah, we did a 20-game package with, with WFSK of TSU men's and women's hoops that year. The games that weren't on WNSR, we picked up. I did the broadcast, and um, it was a, a unique partnership, first time it had ever occurred between Tennessee State and Fisk. And, and unfortunately, last. <laughs> the air on FM station, and uh, Fisk needed production studio, so they would come down to our station, TSU, and record shows, cut commercials, promos. So it was a really great partnership for that year. What did you feel like you learned from 
having another HBCU school linked up with your broadcast? Like, what did you feel like you learned there showing them the ropes on how to, you know, actual take your feed, do the broadcast and everything like that? Yeah, I, I thought it was great. Uh, Washington Dobbins was their uh, station manager. He and I formed a great relationship, partnership. And Clinton Hooper, who uh, since has passed, uh, was our engineer at TSU. And um, he was the Mix 92.9 full-time engineer, and he worked with us part-time. But he greatly helped enhance the uh, WFSK signal at that time with uh, equipment that we had available and with his know-how. So they're – Signal strength improved, their quality of their audio improved. Uh, we had a great partnership working together between the two stations and station management, between their students, my students at TSU. And it was really an enjoyable year. And it really, at that point, helped me getting that many games of TSU on the air, helped me kind of form this relationship with Terry. Yeah, with the recently retired Terry. Um, with uh, Miss Phillips, who just recently retired from her AD post. Yeah, yeah. So we uh, we started working closely together and kind of envisioning a possible opportunity for me to move to athletics eventually. And and basically, my position was created in the athletic department. But it, it kind of had its roots there as I started doing broadcast um, early on in the early two thousands. And I think the Fist partnership really helped as well. So when you got the role in 2005, basically the position created from nothing, what things were you working on and doing? Because I think that's when you yeah, and I first right. started talking, if my math is right, because you were putting all the, you know, broadcasts together, you were putting together, you know, talking to different people about what music that you could use and how to cut highlights and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was, um, you know, we had talked about this opportunity really for about a year, and it, it happened in January 2005. It was uh, Associate Athletic Director for Broadcasting Sales and Marketing. It was a, a broad title, a position that you had to wear many hats, and it wasn't just broadcasting. It was all the corporate sales, yep. game day marketing, your game day rundown scripts, um, a little bit of everything. Uh, you know, was involved in so many areas, and um, it, it was a, a great opportunity, and it, it really did wear me out. It was a period of time <laughs> where you, you're just – when you work in college athletics, you it's like minor league baseball. You, you work. You put in the hours, and if you're also the broadcaster, you're constantly gone because I would track the team and mm-hmm. trying to maintain the sales clients, keep – all of their commercials up to date and do it with really a staff of only one grad assistant and student interns. It it was tough, but it was uh, an enjoyable opportunity and was very thankful to uh, be a part of it. And uh, of course had to give up the freelancing, Uh, could no longer do Western Kentucky's games and was doing a lot of work for CSS, uh, Comcast Sports Southeast. Mm -hmm. And had done departed network. Yeah. And there was another, uh, Comcast, or actually College Sports Southeast, yep. started in the early 2000s out of Birmingham. I almost bring that name up in vain because they left owing everybody money, including me. But I did a lot of uh, Sunbelt 
uh, games, basketball games, did the Sun Belt Tournament, and did some SEC baseball game of the week, if you can believe that, back in the day. Before yeah, I actually baseball. can. Yeah, really <laughs> exploded. And so I had a chance to do, you know, Tennessee at Kentucky, Florida at Vanderbilt, some mm-hmm. baseball games with the – with a great broadcaster named Barry McKnight. So that was a lot of fun as well. Ah, uh, yes. The current and longtime voice of Troy. Yeah. Barry McKnight. And yeah. so, so you were at TSU for a good while. So what happened that made you decide, okay, TSU, I can't keep doing Tennessee State, and how did the Austin P position that you're currently at now come about and you're back teaching and you're doing years. more behind the scenes work yeah all in all it was uh 12 years at tsu mm-hmm. um, got there 99 and really worked um five and a half years in the department of communication managing the campus radio station teaching classes then final six and a half years was as an associate ad and um it, you know and it just got to a point where just I think a lot of the constant travel and just, yeah, and just trying to juggle too many things uh, made it tough handling the sales. You know, there would be many a night when I would be, you know, on the air and uh, we would have, for instance, maybe the Tennessee lottery there. There's going to be a check presentation and I've got people running up to me saying, Hey, where does this client need to go? Or they're asking for you. And, just a lot of things that were going on, you know, on game day, it, it became tough t- to juggle everything. And, but, you know, and, and I knew I kind of had my eye on the Austin P opportunity because they uh, started a sports broadcasting program, an actual major. And I knew if I was ever going to teach full time, it would need to be teaching sports. And right. uh, so they had just started their program. I saw the opening uh, back when it launched. And in fact, uh, I got a call from them shortly after maybe a year or so into the, the TSU athletic position. And it, the timing just wasn't right. Sure. So when it reopened, I did look at it. And um, I just thought, you know, this, it, I, I had to think about it a long time because I knew there wouldn't be any day-to-day broadcasting duties per se. Right. And it would be teaching and, uh, you know, would I still be able to continue doing what I love to do, which I'd done since 1986. And sure. luckily everything's worked out and it's been a great opportunity. Uh, these begin to change. You don't want to be gone every single weekend. So, sure. Yeah, the opportunity to Austin P has been great. I'm in year nine, if you can believe that. Yeah, because when you left, I'm like, where did he go? Because <laughs> I because I didn't even know you had went to Austin P until I looked. I'm like, what? He's at Austin P? Like, wow. Yeah. it. Uh, I, I didn't even know you had went to Austin P, to be honest with you. And I, I think you told me, because when you and I finally, you know, got back in touch email-wise, I think, actually, I think I, you know, found your number first. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, interesting. Because I know you told me that you helped in creating their network a little bit. Because I think they were trying to get their, you know, Governor Sports Network with, you know, ESPN, Clarksville, and everything else together. Because I know you helped them out with that. Well, actually, since I've been at Austin P, it's been more 
TV. It's been more video side. Um, so when I got there in 2011, the Department mm-hmm. of Communication that I work for, that I'm a faculty member in, we have a campus cable station, APSU TV. Oh, wow. And we were originating all the games. They were doing that, you know, for a number of years before I got there. And But they were, like many of the OVC schools, were taking the simulcast of, you know, the, the voice of the team, the radio announcers. Yep. And when I got there, none of our students were on the air, and I wanted to change that and mm-hmm. give them the opportunities. And so we, we ended the simulcast after I got there in August and the football season pretty much was underway. So we, we kept the radio simulcast going, but when basketball started, we originated our broadcast uh, on APSU TV. And of course the games were carried back then by OVC sports.tv. Everything was streamed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I was so new and didn't really know any of the students yet. I didn't know who I could put on the air. So I ended up doing play by play right, and breaking in students as my analyst and sideline reporters that first year and had a good, good group and, and handed it over to them pretty much uh, by year two doing football, basketball. We did some soccer. We did some softball. We, we did volleyball, a ton of sports that we were televising and, uh, and I kind of stepped back into more of an executive producer role mm-hmm. and, uh, and then would do an occasional game at the holidays when we were short staffed for those first uh, few years until probably the last, I would say maybe four years now I've stepped in and mainly done the play by play for Austin P football, the home games for television and the men's basketball. So working with my students. So how did you get the logs created? Did they already have logs already created? Did you have to create all the formatting from scratch when yeah. you came in? Like, did you, were the logs already created or did you have to basically look at the logs, take everything down and basically rebuild it from nothing? Yeah. You know, when I got there, they were mainly just running public service announcements and weren't taking a lot of commercial breaks. Right. With my background, even though I've always been in broadcasting, I've been somewhat in sales marketing as well. And I, I remember telling Dr. Mike Gocher, who hired me, our department chair, I said, hey, we need to sell the inventory in these games. I could take my sports marketing class, and that could be really what this class will do, is to is to give them actual hands-on opportunities selling sponsorships. So we started that uh, my first summer there. I taught the summer sports marketing class. And <clears throat> I think I think we raised about seventy five thousand dollars in uh, sponsorships through that class. Not bad. And we started running, you know, the commercials during our games, and had to create a log and and an actual run commercial breaks, commercial inventory during the games, and and it really it paid off. It was money we generated for the department for additional equipment, and um, it really turned our broadcast into more student kind of, uh, you know, learning environment to more of a professional broadcast. And, and it, it really worked well. It upped our game and, and I've been very pleased with our product since I've been there and we've been right at the top of the conference and, and uh, one of the best productions in the league. What is the toughest thing trying to separate the students that really want to do it compared to those that say, Oh, I want to do it, but then they don't actually show up. 
and how, do, how what do you you know what is your grade system with your classes or the classes that you teach compared to the others that you deal with with the other professors at Austin P like what are you as a teacher and still with a broadcast hat on what are you looking for out of your students well it's it's obvious when you get the students that that are all in, you know, people like you that have a passion for it. And mm-hmm. it's, it's obvious. And they, they're the first ones there. They're the last ones to leave. They ask questions, they prepare, they do their job professionally. And then there's some that are just there to get the credit. And, you know, I understand that as well, that they're probably more than likely, unless they're, mom or dad owns a station. They're not going to work in the business because they don't really have the passion for it. But uh, everything we do is hands-on. So each class that I teach, regardless of the subject, there is an element in the class where it's live production that they, that they get a chance to do it from the intro class all the way through to the senior level courses where they begin directing and producing broadcast. So they have to put the hours in. Uh, Okay. Yeah, you have to show up. You have to uh, got to do the work. Yeah, and it's it's not you don't roll in ten minutes before tip off and you know you leave as soon as the horn blows. We'll have a four hour call for crew for a basketball game, uh, or four hour for football, two hours for basketball. So it's it's long days in sports production, and um, yeah, they've got to accrue so many games mm-hmm. for their grade as part of that their ultimate grade along with exams and other things we do in the class. So there's that element that they have to, to actually work at it. And the ones that really want to get into this business and are serious about it, they treat it uh, that way. They take pride in their work. They want the best possible demo reel they can put together their portfolio and they work at it and they ask for advice and they take constructive criticism and they improve because of it. And I got to thank you for giving me the opportunity to help you out with some of your voiceover stuff for the online broadcast. Yeah. You thanks for that because I wasn't sure if there was going to be an opportunity to do it <clears throat> when CSB was open, but I do have to thank you for that publicly here on this podcast because that was about a good, what, two years worth of a run that you allowed me to do those. Yeah. And you- basically it's pretty much the same stuff except tweak it a little bit. Yeah, you did some good spots. Yeah, we ran them during those uh, online broadcasts on the campus station, WTST. And, uh, yeah, glad to have them. Glad we could do it. And um, I'm yeah. hoping at some point down the road, if you need something voiced, I can help you out with it again. But I know that's pretty much students' hands-on. But Yeah. You never know. Like, what I, are you – to reach you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you a hey, you'll be able to find me. I'm not that hard. Right. How do you basically create the intro class? Like, what things are you wanting the students to learn when you go back and look at what you've taught? And how do you figure out how to tweak it so the student that's just coming in that's green as grass, rookie or Chewbacca, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. How they can separate themselves in the intro class to get to the next level. 
Well, you know, I, I tell them in the intro class, we're going to expose you to everything. And it's an eight week course. So it flies by. It's really fast. And the live production element in the intro class <coughs> is uh, in the fall. It's high school football because we do produce uh, a high school football game of the week on our APSU TV cable channel. And that's really my training ground, not only for my production crew, but for my on-air announcers that are eventually going to start doing Austin P games. So the students in that class actually get their hands on the camera um, and they're running either the uh, game cameras in the stands or the uh, wireless camera on the sideline. Mm -hmm. And um, if there's an interest in announcing, I may try to get them to come up and maybe spot, work as a spotter. And if I, I really see the ability there, they may get a game before the uh, season is up. But as far as the classroom work goes, the the intro to sports class, there's a great textbook that Mark Zumoff. Oh, oh, I know who that guy is. I, yeah. Matter of fact, I've emailed that guy on more than one occasion. Well, he, he is really yeah. one of the best in the business. Nicest guy you'll meet. Oh, definitely. He has uh, been so generous with his time, and, and he Skypes in with my class every semester. We use his textbook because I, I had put so much together, just material on my own. Right. But his had everything broken down into chapters, every possible position you could get into in the sports business, and it's perfect for the intro class. So I adopted the book. Mark's been great to come on and visit with the students. But we let them know, hey – you may not have the gift of gab. You may not be an on-air talent. But there are other ways for you to be a part of it. Right. In fact, I've been so amazed at my time at Austin P. Mm -hmm. based off at Western Kentucky when I was there, we were all fighting each other, trying to get on the air. Everyone wanted to be a sports anchor, sports play-by-play. -play. But at Austin P., it's been about a 50-50 split in the people that want on-air and the people that want to work in production and behind the scenes and run replay and graphics. So that's made for a nice mix has really helped our broadcast. So we let the students know, Hey, there are lots of opportunities in sports. If you want to get into sports marketing, PR, those opportunities are there. It's not just, you know, play being, by play. It's yeah, not just color. Al Michaels, right? It's, it's more than, in fact, those opportunities are so limited. You need to broaden your scope and, and look at, the many opportunities that are out there to try to at least get your foot in the door and then go from there. Like, <clears throat> what do you feel like technology is from then and now from when you started announcing to where you are now, where do you feel like technology has come with TV and now with a lot of people doing podcasts and everything else? Like, from, from when you started to like now, because I don't know if you still, if you're going to add like podcasting or anything like that to your lineup in the future with your students or if you taught them like, if you can't do camera, maybe you can do a podcast or maybe you can help produce a podcast or whatever. If they don't, you know, get into PXP or whatever. Yeah. No, and we, we have, it has come such a long way. I, it's, it's funny that I just moved uh, from Nashville. My wife and I just moved not even two weeks ago here to Pleasant View, Tennessee. We're in Cheatham County. Oh, wow. And, and I have um, all of my old game tapes. When, you, when you're moving from a house, you got to start getting rid of things. 
<laughs> I've got all these old cassettes going way back to the to the late 80s <laughs> Hopkinsville games. Well, you can digitally remaster those and probably most likely get good sound quality. Right. I've got a million <laughs> mini discs. I mean, every TSU game is on mini disc. I've got all these VHS tapes and and it, I'm trying to figure out a way to hook them all up. Now I've had to buy one of those little $10 switchers so I can, oh actually, my. I can listen to the games, but we've come so far because now, you know, you had to move mountains back in the day to get the equipment you needed to, you know, phone lines established. And now you can Facebook live, you know, you can, you can go cover a game and, and stream it and build yeah, an audience on, on YouTube, yeah. Facebook yeah. live, Skype. Heck probably you could probably do it on this on zoom. If you wanted to, you could. And you know, you have an opportunity to, if, with so many high schools in the middle Tennessee area. Tell me about it. If you really want to broadcast games, no one's really covering outside of a few high schools. I mean, I'm currently doing Maplewood right now. Matter of fact, I mean, I'm not getting paid for it, but however. Yeah. And that's, that's what you do. I mean, you, you set up maybe getting a few sponsors through the booster club uh, to help pay your bills, but it gives you the reps, gives you an opportunity to build a, a tape, a portfolio of your work and you get to do what you love to do at a very minimal cost and uh, pretty easy to do it, no matter how, uh, if you might not be as strong technically, uh, you can Google anything now to explain to you how to do it. So, uh, yeah, I think we've come a long way, and it, it is much easier now to to be able to broadcast than it used to be. Do you think sometimes, as a teacher, do you think sometimes – we have it with technology sometimes too easy. Like we have way too much information at our fingertips and maybe be more simplified is a better way to go in your opinion. Yeah. I think it, if anything with all that information, it's available just by a click of a button. Mm -hmm. It has taken away a lot of the actual personal interaction, face-to-face -face communication. You know, back in the day, you couldn't get any information about any high school team. You had to go meet the coach. Exactly. Uh, and hope and pray they give you a, a roster that somewhat at least has a few correct numbers on it. But, exactly. But, you know, back in the day, that's what you had to do. There was no information. I remember when I got to Cape Girardeau, Missouri, that I started on a Monday, and that Friday night, uh, I think it was Wednesday, the general manager said, hey, you're going to do – the Scott City Rams at Carothersville high school football game this Friday night. And I was like, oh, okay. So I got off work that day, I think uh, on that Wednesday, and I drove to Scott City High School, got to the practice field, watched them practice, introduced myself to the coach. And I said, hey, I know nothing about your program. Who would be a great color analyst, former player, anybody? And he said, well, go talk to this guy that runs the funeral home. I went straight over there. I grabbed, uh, I grabbed. Uh, I think it was Scott Amick, if I think back. This is 1996. And two nights later, he's my color analyst. Had never been on radio, but he played there. His whole family, you know, played in that program. He knew all the history, and he mm -hmm. got me through it. You know, he helped me through it as I learned the players. And But, you know, you just don't see a lot of that anymore. It, it, it's the information is so easy to get that you almost become lazy with it and you don't do the, 
you know, the actual interaction of going to meet these coaches, going to practice. And, um, and I hate to see that part of it. Like, how many high schools do you have your students do games for? Like, is it like a package or do you have like different contracts for different high schools or like yeah, how many we, students you deal, you, you know, send out to games and yeah, put a we, broadcast together and, you know, have maybe your students on Monday bring their tape in on how they did with their broadcast and you grade it while everybody's in class or how do you basically grade their performance with a high school broadcast? What are yeah. you looking for when you're listening and what are you looking at for presentation purposes? Well, we, we have a partnership with the Clark's Montgomery County school system because they actually take our feed on game night, stream mm-hmm. it on their homepage. And, and then we replay it on our cable channel, re-air it uh, on a Tuesday night. And then by Wednesday morning, we, we put it on our YouTube channel. So that way the players and coaches can, can get to see the game as well. But, so we'll cover basically the – I think there's seven teams that we make sure we get them on at least once during the season. And I do a lot of the critiquing of announcers, not in the classroom per se, right? but more one-on-one. Try not to do as much at the game site because for many of these guys and gals, their nerves are there on game night and you don't sure. want to say anything to really crush their confidence and – uh, if anything, maybe a little uh, confidence boost or talk about things they did well at halftime in the first half when we're uh, when we're in a running a package or something and I have a chance to visit with them. But I try to do a lot of the critiquing away from the site and and not in front of the entire class and and just encourage them to watch their tapes. You're always your your hardest and your best critique is your own self critique. And then as you get your confidence, you feel good about what you've put on tape, then start reaching out to other people that you trust that are not just going to say, oh, you're so good, you know, don't don't let a relative listen to it. You know, get someone, you know, that you trust in the business that they're going to give it to you straight. And I exactly. think that's – Exactly. You don't want – you don't want a student where their egos inflated like, oh, one of the greatest things in sports. No, you're not. You're always learning. Right. I we're mean, all, we're all we're all learning that. Yeah, I I keep after you know not doing football for probably six years since mm-hmm. uh, starting Austin P games back up. It's just like starting over. Even though I, I did a ton of football back in the day, but you got to continue to get reps. Or you, it's just like going to the gym. If you stop going, you're gonna you get lazy. <laughs> you're gonna get you're lazy. Gonna get lazy. You're gonna get fat. You're going to put on weight. You're going to be out of shape. And it's the same when you stop doing a sport. And uh, so I've had to really try to ramp it back up with football. When, when you're not doing it each week, you're just doing the home games, you might get one game a month. So it's hard to get your consistency, continuity back in, in your broadcast where you feel like it's up to your standard. And you're also working with brand new students as well that sometimes I've probably never done it before. Yeah, and that's that's tough as well. So you have to really, even at my age, I can't be as tough on myself as I should be knowing that, hey, you know, I've still got to look at some of this as we're also teaching and it's a learning environment. But, you know, you can't help it. You know, when when the game gets 
kicked off. You, you want to put your best product out there and, and you really hate to see mistakes and you want them corrected before the next game. So, Do you fall into the trap of still wanting to do a radio broadcast on TV from time to time? And, oh, how, yeah. do you, and how do you keep yourself mentally sharp knowing that, okay, this is not a radio broadcast. You don't have to tell them. Balls on the 35-yard line, left hash yeah. mark, moving from left to right. How, how do you keep yourself from falling into that trap knowing that you're doing a video cast instead of an audio radio broadcast that you did for – that you were the voice of a few teams for a while when you were doing radio, but now that you're doing TV again – Yeah, hey. it's, it's tough because – um, it's actually harder to do. I mean, because I see the young students when they do a TV game, a lot of times if you can just go right into the play-by-play, -play, it covers up a lot of areas maybe that you lack in your game prep or how mm -hmm. to set up an analyst. And you can just fall back on describing where the ball's at, even though, you know, the viewer can see that and you don't have to describe it. So, TV's a little bit tougher. You don't speak as much, which for a lot of play-by-play -play guys, that's tough because we all love to talk. That's why we get in the business. <laughs> exactly. You have to back off. And, you know, it's, it's crazy because I really, since I left TSU for the last nine years, mm -hmm. I've done exclusively television. I, I did one high school football game on radio last year as a fill-in, a Trick County high school game in Kentucky. Wow. Uh, helping out uh, good friends of mine that own the station. One of my students was doing play-by-play, -play, and he got called to do an ESPN3 volleyball match at Lipscomb. So I, hmm. I said, hey, I'll fill in for you. And it was tough. And I'd been dying to get back and do radio because I hadn't done it in so long. And it was tough for me now after becoming really a TV guy to switch back in to that mode. Right. I take it back. I did do a Christian County game this past year on But w even – but doing just two games. Two games on radio. Still, <laughs> I mean, for, for the last almost decade now, you've basically been a figurehead on TV. Yeah, and the, the person – It's that, still hard. That works the Christian County games. Yeah. Mainly keeps stats. He's not really an analyst. And I kept setting him up. I'm so used to doing that on TV, you know. I'd set him up after every play and he wouldn't really say anything. So it really threw off the rhythm. And I thought, man, by the end of that radio broadcast, I was exhausted because yeah, so basically you were flying solo. It's a lot of heavy lifting, you know, on the radio you know play by play. So. You know what? Here's the thing at the games that I do, besides whoever is helping me as a spotter, I fly solo football and basketball. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's hard, but Hey, it's a good hard because at least you get a chance to do broadcast and add your own flavor to it. And you're actually going to do something like that flying solo, especially when you're doing them by yourself as a one man crew. Yeah. And I didn't mind doing basketball. That, that's my favorite sport. Mm -hmm. It's the sport I love to broadcast. And I never minded being solo on basketball. I never wanted to work football or baseball Solo. There's no way I would do baseball solo. Uh, football would be tough, but I always make sure 
even if I have to go get a guy at a funeral home to be my analyst, I'm going to have somebody in the booth just to bounce things off for football and baseball because you really need that. It, the action, you know, even football and radio, you have the break between plays where it's ideal for the analyst to get his comments in. Basketball, it's just, you know, it, Constant it's movement. Yeah, just like hockey, which I've never done hockey. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> but um, but those other two sports, I want an, an analyst with me on football and, and baseball. How long did it take you to feel like you had gotten back into TV mode after so long doing radio side, like when you went back to Austin P. But how long did it take you to like get back into television exclusively? You know, it on radio for a while. It didn't take as long. I, I know, and I probably still do. You still fall into the play-by-play mode more than you should. But I, I think early on working with younger students, getting them to talk was the toughest part sometimes because they're not confident. I may have over-talked, but I really worked hard at trying to set them up to get them confident early and involved in the broadcast. And, I, you know, I've had the – the opportunity over this nine year stretch to work with a, a former coach, uh, Eric Foister, he came on and did uh, some of the games over the holiday break with me. And our chemistry was just perfect right off the bat. I really enjoyed it. And uh, we did some high school work together up in Kentucky, did a lot of high school basketball for time Warner cable for a couple of seasons. And I really enjoyed it. I mean, really like the TV side. I've missed radio, but, uh, I like working with an analyst that you can set up that's knowledgeable. And then, of course, the governor's sports network on radio, they came and stole Eric away from me. So now he does all the radio games. But I've enjoyed the TV broadcast. There's a certain cadence to it um, that I think fits my style better. I'm not a screamer and yeller and a super high-energy guy. Um, so I think I think the TV product fits my um, – my delivery, my cadence better, uh, really, than radio. What's your prep like doing more TV than radio, or has your prep style changed at all? No. If anything, you would think as you get older um, and you've done so many games that you would learn how to cut corners on prep. <laughs> it's just been the opposite for me. I I over prepare and it's, um, and, and you know, it's just, that's what I'm constantly preaching to the students. So I want to set the example. And um, I always feel really strange going into any broadcast if I'm not fully prepared and I try not to let that happen. Um, so I would say now I probably prepare more now than I did even back in the day when I was doing a lot more broadcasting. So when you do games, how often do you switch off with your students and say, okay, second half, this is the second half is going to be you because I hope I've done enough to, you know, sign you off on, on basically doing the second half kind of like a, pilot teaching a rookie how to, you know, fly a plane before they can send him off on a solo mission. 
how long does it take you do you feel like you can send a student off on their own to do their own broadcast well typically i try not to do it in game because i want them to be no knowing going in fully prepared that you know, what role they're going to have and i've been the analyst of of great students over this nine-year period that were outstanding play-by-play broadcasters and i've jumped over to the analyst seat on a couple of occasions and and let them lead the broadcast and i've served as analyst trying to show some of my other up-and-coming students how they need to fill that role as the analyst um but yeah you know there was a stretch of a couple of seasons where we were blessed with some really good student talent and and I wasn't on the air as much. Uh, I think now that we have signed a partnership with ESPN, all our games are ESPN plus it's, you know, it's hard to put someone fairly new on the air when everyone else in the league students are not getting a chance to be on the air. You don't want to, you know, run the risk of, um, not having a great broadcast and maybe the athletic department wants to go to the radio simulcast. So I've tried to at least be the professional, uh, a consistent anchor on the uh, football and and men's basketball the last few seasons, instead of constantly changing up announcers. And, um, but they do get a ton of experience from the high school level. uh, The women's basketball Sideline reporting is something that we're big on. We've had quite a few students get a ton of experience in that area. Um, so the opportunities are definitely there. And we have students on every broadcast as either play-by-play analyst, sideline reporter. Uh, and you just don't get that at not only – you're not going to get it at any of the Power 5 schools, but not even really in the OVC. You occasionally will hear a student do maybe a women's basketball game or some of the mm-hmm. Olympic sports, but – None of them are on football or, or men's basketball. So how do you tell if a student is over cramming, trying to fit every note and detail into a broadcast to those that don't try to cram everything in, but they know how to put things in at the proper time when they need to be put in? Well, you know, you can tell a student that is – spend all their time preparing and they are bound and determined to get all their prep in, whether it fits the broadcast or not. And they're not really engaged in the game. They, they've got one eye on their notes, one eye on the field or the court. And it's, it's pretty obvious. So uh, they have to learn that. I'll never forget a young man who became a graduate assistant of mine. He came in and did a football broadcast with me and regardless of how many times I explained in class about building your spot boards, you can't carry in 30 pages of notes and all of these game notes. You've got to have a condensed version of your spot board for football and basketball. He came in to do the first broadcast with me and I bet he had 10 sheets of loose leaf notebook paper, all these notes. And I, I broadcast with the window open for football, regardless of the conditions. I've just got to have – got to hear the crowd and feel like I'm in it. I open the window, and about six of his pages go flying out of the press box. <laughs> I mean, just the simple things like you can't have all these notes. You have to have as much as you can condense to a small format and let the broadcast breathe. Have it there available if – 
if you need it. If you need it. And you get in a blowout, you're going to need more. If you get a great game, you may you not. You don't need much because up. the game's going to tell the story anyway. Right. And you'll find ways to drop really good little nuggets in, but don't have a checklist where you're trying to make sure you get everything in because it's not going to fit the actual tempo or the actual game that's happening. Because the game can take you so many different places that that checklist is basically going to leave you basically in the middle of nowhere. And when you're trying to get back on track, you have a checklist when you're trying to figure out where you left off. That checklist means nothing when you're doing right. a game broadcast. Nothing. Right. Because the game is going to take you many different ways, sometimes in a whole new direction, sometimes 15 different twists and turns and curves that's going to bring you back to the main storyline that you started. Yeah. But you don't know. You can't say, oh, okay, we're going to focus on this storyline, and that storyline never commences because then you're going in another direction. Yeah, and the biggest thing with TV is you're not supposed to pull fast ones on your producers and directors. I mean, everything needs to be in sync, choreographed. If you've got a great stat, you've kept it from them, there's no graphic to back it up, or we're not showing the offensive coordinator while you're talking about it, the broadcast isn't in sync. Everybody has to work hand in hand on television. Um, so you have to disclose everything you're going to discuss. And, and we got, you know, we have to, in the production control room, we've got to have a graphic to back it up or know where we're going with these things. That's been the toughest part with the young announcers is to make sure that we are all in sync with the TV broadcast from the producer director to the talent in the booth, all the camera operators, replay, graphics, audio, you name it. We've got to be one team that's focused for that three hours for football, two hours for basketball. Bob Costas talked about that at the sports summit yesterday about the same thing that if, you know, if everybody's not in concert, it's not going to be a good broadcast and the audience is going to be able to tell. Oh Yeah. And that's the toughest part when you've got your training new people in every area. So we get our graduate assistants to a point where they start producing and directing. And, and hopefully many of them have been in the undergraduate program with me. They see the game as I see it. And, and we, we start telling a story, you know, creating something over that two hour period for basketball where we're not just broadcasting a game, you know, we're working together to make it the best possible broadcast for the viewer. Final thing for you, this has been a blast. An hour and five minutes of shooting the breeze and broadcast gold as always. But what are your do's and your don'ts to your students as you teach them and as they move forward in your class and what they want to get out of the class and as they move on to be productive men and women of society when they leave Austin B. Well, I guess as far as do's, I want them to be curious. I want them to ask questions. I talk about preparation constantly. They get sick of hearing me say it, but they have. But it's huge. They have to be prepared <laughs> and take advantage of the opportunities. We expose our students to so many opportunities with the National Sports Media Association, the conferences, the, the different guests we bring in from Pete Weber to Mike Keith to Teresa Walker to Mark Zoom off on Zoom, to all of the different people, take advantage of that opportunity 
shake hands. When you go to these conferences, meet people, grab that business card, never turn down an opportunity. And um, those are the biggest dues is, is you've got to work if you want to get into this business because everybody wants in it. And I but guess, only, the, but only a very small handful actually do the business well and they actually get a good return for it. Yeah. And you know, the don'ts are just the opposite of that. I mean, make sure don't go into a broadcast where you're not prepared. You don't know how to pronounce the names of the players, things of that sort, if you're going to be on air and then don't ever say, Hey, no one got back to me because in this business, people aren't going to return the calls a lot. You don't want to be uh, a pest bug someone to death, but you have to be persistent, uh, persistent and patient, but you cannot sit back and wait for your phone to ring because it will not ring. You've got to pick it up and make the dialing uh, dial to, you know, to reach someone and get that conversation started. And, and that's really it. I mean, it's, be prepared, take advantage of every opportunity that we give you at the college level because you're getting a chance to do everything at Austin P. Do it. Don't say, oh, I can't do that area. I'm not good at this. Do it. And get some of it on your portfolio, uh, your demo tape, and uh, just never turn down an opportunity. If there's an opportunity to work a game, intern here or there, jump at it. And I think it'll pay off in the long run. Man, this has been a blast, even though it took a little bit, but, you know, this was well worth it. Well, thank you, man. I've enjoyed it as well. No, thank you for the time. I mean, I, over an hour? I mean, come on. You got into a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we did. <laughs> and that that's, that's a good thing about a, a podcast. It's You can go as long or as short as you wish because it's good. I mean, it's just one of those things where we got into a lot of stuff. We talked about a lot of things, and that. Hopefully we get to do it again, and hopefully the next time we get a chance to talk, we'll actually have games to talk about and maybe use your critiques and maybe we can learn even more about your side of the ledger and you and I can just go back and forth like we did today. I mean, I know I probably asked all the questions, but... <laughs> That'd be great. I've mm -hmm. enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, th this was fun. And that was episode 15 with... Austin P. Teacher and TV guy, former radio guy who does radio from time to time. Barry Gresham, a.k.a. Gresh. It's been fun, my friend. Let's do it again soon. We will. Thanks. You got it.